So here's the question that I've been pondering the last couple days. And by the way, I've had plenty of time to ponder because I had an absolute travel nightmare. I was stuck in Phoenix overnight trying to get out to Santa Barbara to uh, speak at the Young America's Foundation, which was absolutely great, by the way. The high school kids there, they are so eager to be the next generation of freedom fighters. So it's so wonderful to talk to them about reality, about all the issues that matter from economy to social issues, et cetera, et cetera. I wouldn't have, by the way, gone through this um, delayed flights, canceled flights, all this horrible nightmarish travel stuff, except for the Young America's Foundation. So again, thank you for having me out there. It was a wonderful time. But I spent the last couple of days pondering this question because as we saw on the news, um, Fauci funded what essentially appears to be animal abuse, right? He had funded these experiments on these beagles where he drugged them and then put their heads in cages, metal wire cages, and let flies eat away at their flesh. And this was supposed to be studying who even knows what. It's, it's horrific. So the question that I was pondering is this, because this is why I was pondering, by the way, because the hashtag arrest Fauci was trending on Twitter. And this is what angered people. This is what angered people, this animal abuse. And it should, it's horrific. But which is worse, drugging puppies or juicing viruses? Because this is Dr. Anthony Fauci. This is, this is his legacy. Which is worse, to actually allow flesh-eating flies to devour these poor beagles who've been drugged and rendered defenseless. And this is so graphic and so disgusting. Reportedly, the scientists conducting these experiments on these dogs actually cut out the vocal cords of the dogs so that when the dogs were being abused and were in pain, they couldn't cry out. They couldn't bark. So is that worse? Or is it worse that when Fauci was at the NIAID at the NIH, they gave a grant, your money and my money, they gave our money dollars and cents to EcoHealth Alliance, who subcontracted it to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, to the bat lady, Dr. Xi, who juiced up bat-derived coronaviruses to make them more infectious, more transmissible to humans. And then this leaked from the lab and infected the world and caused this cascading effect that allowed politicians to seize power from us, violate our rights, we the people. And now we see our economy tanking. We see individual freedoms being trampled. We had our churches closed down for goodness sake. So which is worse, drugging puppies or juicing viruses? Because Dr. Anthony Fauci is guilty of both. How on earth does this man, this tyrant, this mad scientist still have a job in the US government? He's the highest paid individual in the entire federal workforce. He earns more money than the president of the United States. How does he still have a job? And what's more, how have we, the American people, allowed him to conduct these experiments? And it's not just these experiments, by the way. The experiments that are being conducted right now on you and on me, on the American people in the name of science and social science are absolutely abysmal. That is what I wanna talk about today. I'm Liz Wheeler, welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. It's not just beagles, it's us. We are the subjects of human experiments, both scientific experiments and social scientific experiments. And yes, I mean social engineering. And in fact, it's, it's actually, we are the beagles of um, the federal government of the Biden administration. We're gonna talk about that in just a second, but first I wanna talk about Moinkbox. Do you hear this? Do you hear this lovely 
sizzling bacon. Who doesn't want to wake up to that sound every morning? So I'm vegan, as you know. You might be asking, well, how could you recommend this? Well, I asked my husband, as you know, he's basically Ron Swanson, um, if this was good bacon or not. He ate it, and his endorsement remains the same as it was at the beginning. He says, meat, period which, as you know, is a high endorsement indeed. So Moik is a very interesting service. They deliver grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door. And this, of course, the service helps family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. This is a good thing. Their animals are raised outdoors. Their fish swim wild in the ocean. Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other gross junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. So sign up at moinkbox.com Liz to get a year of bacon for free. And then pick what meats you want delivered with your first box. You can change um, what you get each month. Cancel anytime. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash Liz right now. And listeners to this show get free bacon for a year. That's one year of the best bacon you will ever taste, but for a limited time. It's spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash Liz. Moinkbox.com slash Liz. You will not regret it. So when I'm traveling, as you know, I mean, this, this ties into what I was just talking about, about Moink anyway, but as you know, I eat pretty healthy. I'm very crunchy. I'm vegan for health reasons. It's not just, it's not about animal rights, actually. Um, ironically, given what we're talking about in this show, Fauci's beagle experiments, but I'm vegan to help um, inflammation. And so when I travel, it's very, it can be very challenging because when you travel, as you all know, it's very easy to eat fast food and airport junk food. And, you know, you go out to eat a lot and it's really not the um, kale shake that I like to eat every morning for breakfast or, you know, the vegan chili that I like to cook for dinner. It, it, it's hard to eat healthy. And it was very interesting in this past trip um, out to Santa Barbara, California. And then the week before that, I was on tour with Senator Ted Cruz and his show Verdict. Um, Michael Knowles was there. Um, it was, it's, it's been very difficult, even harder than usual to eat healthy because of the Biden economy. And when I call it the Biden economy, we know that it is because of the COVID policies that Biden has specifically chosen or endorsed when it comes from the state level that has caused um, these problems in our economy. And what I mean is when you're offering this level of unemployment to people where they actually make more money by sitting and not working and collecting unemployment than they would if they work, then you have a whole bunch of people who of course choose to do that, especially, and some of them are deadbeats, sure, they shouldn't do that, but there's also a bunch of people who do that because if you work in food service, this past year and a half, there've been so many lockdowns, there've been so many restrictions, so many policies that require social distancing and plexiglass and masks that restaurants have closed or they've had to temporarily shutter and they've had to only seat half people in their dining room because of social distancing. So all these restaurants have gone back and forth with having a job for their staff or not having a job for their staff, or you lose your job permanently if the restaurant closes permanently, or they have to cut half the people if they're only making half profit with half their restaurant. It's a total nightmare. It's a nightmare for the business owners. It's a nightmare for the employees who've been yanked around. And the cascading effect of this is it makes it very difficult for an economy to run, especially when you travel or when I travel as I have this past week and a half, because as a customer to these restaurants or a customer at hotels, the same thing happens at hotels, the staff is very sparse. And the staff is also very inexperienced because the experienced people are sitting on unemployment and the people who are working are, I don't blame them for their inexperience. They're just college kids who are trying to make a buck. Um, but this cascading effect of the Biden economy is horrendous. And less, if, if you say anything about it, if I say anything about it, the Biden administration says, 
oh, this is a high class problem to be paying so much more for a product that is so much less. And this is absolutely insane because the people who this is hurting the most, yeah, it's inconvenient for me and it's certainly more expensive. I mean, if you even get an Uber from the airport to your hotel, the taxes and fees in the state of California are outrageous. The fees just to, just to get the ride, it's like cab level expensive, which is exactly what Uber was supposed to compete against. But who can blame them when they're getting charged such an exorbitant amount in the state of California? The people that are hurt the most by this are the consumers. The consumers who are having to pay more for basic products, whether it's food at the grocery store, food at the restaurant, whether it's transportation, um, that's temporary because you're out of the city or because you use Uber because you can't afford a car, you can't afford insurance. This is not a high-class problem. High-class people, if you want to call it that, or high-income people, the elitists, Biden's friends, we should probably call them, they aren't touched by this because they have plenty of money. It's everyday Americans who are working hard, trying to make ends meet, trying to bring home a paycheck, who are hurting by this. And you, you know what proves this? There is a group of lobbyists um, for multiple business sectors here, but basically the retail sector, who are lobbying the Biden administration right now to delay his um, OSHA vax mandate. You remember the one that's actually not a mandate because he didn't issue the executive order. It's just a press release, release vax mandate. They're asking Biden to delay his vaccine mandate until after Christmas. Why? Because with the supply chain issues that we're having right now, they there's already an issue with all of our products basically being stalled in China or um, caught off the coast of California. That was the other thing, by the way, flying out of LAX, you can see this backlog. I saw out the window, I took some pictures actually, of this backlog of container ships that it's, it's insane. I mean, you look down and they're just, they're dotting the entire scene, the entire scene, and they can't be unloaded, why? because there aren't enough truck drivers and there aren't enough dock workers at the ports because the ports closed down if there's even one COVID case and there wasn't initially enough work for truck drivers and then they were collecting unemployment all because of Biden's choices. So Kamala Harris, we talked about this last week, Kamala Harris warned about a week and a half ago that there was gonna be a shortage of toys on the shelves at Christmas because of the supply chain issue. And she of course tried to deflect the blame again it was pre-existing a brittle supply chain issue that we had, and then Biden exacerbated and essentially broke it. Um, she said there weren't going to be toys at Christmas. Well, now these retail lobbyists are admitting that, yeah, that's the case, and it's going to be even worse. It's going to be exacerbated by staff shortages if Biden forces these private businesses with more than 100 employees to act as the enforcers and force their employees to be vaccinated or else fire them. These business lobbyists know the truth. And who are going to be the ones that suffer? The people who lose their jobs over these vaccine mandates, the people who feel like they don't have a choice over their own body, that they need the paycheck, and so they take a vaccine that they otherwise wouldn't have taken if government officials weren't coercing them. The businesses who are going to lose customers and lose business because they're not gonna be able to operate at full capacity, and thus our economy is going to suffer. Does this sound like a high-class problem to you? No, it doesn't. It is not a high-class problem. It is a your problem and a my problem. The only people who aren't impacted by this, arguably, are Biden and his cronies. It's simply awful. Simply awful. And all of that, all of that doesn't even get into this idea that we are all beagles, right? I mean, in, in everything that I just said, we're the ones who were the subjects of this experiment, this social engineering, this 
experiment in our country. What happens when the government actually takes control of the economy? What happens when the government usurps your basic right to bring your goods and service to the marketplace? What happens? We are the beagles in that experiment. The Biden administration is conducting it on us and they don't know the outcome. You can perhaps guess what the outcome would be. You can make an educated guess even. And the edu- those of us who made an educated guess knew that this is exactly what was going to happen. But we are still the subject of this experiment at the hands of Joe Biden. And it's worse. It's worse. Our tax money is funding simply horrific experiments that gave Biden the justification, at least in his own mind, to conduct this. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Paint Your Life. PaintYourLife.com is literally just as cool as it sounds. You can see here over my shoulder this picture, this painting, this portrait of Sweet Ugly George, who is our post-production manager, Victoria's hideous piece. At paintyourlife.com, you get to turn your favorite memories, and this can be your wedding, this can be a family photo, this can be a vacation, your kids playing sports, or a beloved pet. You can turn your favorite memories into art forever. You just submit the photo, and an artist paints it into painting, into a painting. Here's the fun thing. It ships in as little as two weeks. It's also relatively inexpensive. That was my first thought, if we're being candid, when I heard about this. I thought, well, this is a cool idea for sure, but I bet it's really pricey. It's not. It's very affordable. So you can send any picture you want at payyourlife.com. There's no risk involved. If you don't love the final painting, then your money is refunded. It's guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get the special offer, text the word Liz to 64,000. That's Liz to 64,000 if you want to take advantage of the 20% off and free shipping offer. Liz to 64,000. It's a pretty fun gift. I think you'll like it. Okay. So going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, this this idea or this fact that has come to light that Fauci drugs puppies for experiments, this seems to me to be somewhat of an allegory for how our government officials have treated us during COVID-19, right? So Fauci drugs these puppies and puts their head in a wire cage so that they can be feasted on by these flies and then snips their vocal cords so that they cannot protest when they are being abused. It kind of sounds like what's happening to us. If we dare to question, to air any skepticism or any dissent against COVID policies, be it lockdowns or vaccines, or even independent thought like ivermectin, am I even allowed to say that word? Then we essentially, essentially, not literally, figuratively, have our vocal cords sniffed. We are stifled by big tech. We are told we are conspiracy theorists. As, by the way, these experiments are conducted on us. And yes, I do mean the vaccine because this is the largest vaccine experiment that our nation has ever seen. Usually vaccines take, what, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years before they're fully formulated. We have no idea what the long-term effects of this vaccine are on people. Anybody who tells you that is lying. So we're not only the beagles in the vaccine experiment, we're the beagles in this, in this social experimentation too. what happens when Joe Biden dictates everything that happens in our economy. Well, you and I are the beagles in that experiment. So I think the drugging puppies is a horrifying allegory for what we are experiencing in COVID. But Fauci, Fauci is, um, is guilty again, of what's perhaps one worse, because he denied, you'll remember when he lied to the United States Senate, to Senator Rand Paul, and said, no, no, the NIH never never funded gain-of-function research, never, and he accused Rand Paul of being a liar. He yelled, he, he flew off the handle. You remember the clip. Well, now the NIH put out a statement admitting that your money and my money 
actually did fund gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, the NIH, in this letter, they, they kind of deflect blame a little bit. They blame EcoHealth Alliance. Because remember, it was NIH, and then a sub-agency of NIH is the NIAID. That's what Fauci was in charge of. The NIAID um, gave this grant to EcoHealth Alliance that subcontracted the grant to Wuhan Institute of Virology. So money's fungible. It's still our money. But the NIH is trying to blame EcoHealth Alliance. Um, ironically, by the way, the Biden administration thinks that they should, um, or that they can, that they have the capacity to snoop on our bank accounts to keep tabs on $600 transactions. But somehow, the same Biden administration can't keep track of $600,000 in a grant that funded gain-of-function research in China? Okay, so that, that's bad enough in and of itself. But, and it's, by the way, no wonder that Peter Daszak of EcoHealth Alliance has blocked me on Twitter because we talk about this sort of thing, and we have been for months. It's all turning out to be true. We were called conspiracy theorists, but no, it's turning out to be true. So if a grant recipient um, for gain-of-function research is enhances a virus by even a factor of 10, they are required to report that to the NIH. Because truly, our tax money is not supposed to be funding gain-of-function research. It's not supposed to be creating essentially biological weapons, these viruses. Um, so if an experiment causes a virus to be enhanced or increased by a factor of 10, they're required to report to the NIH. Well, EcoHealth Alliance gave our money to Wuhan Institute of Virology, and guess how much they increased the viral load in this virus? You are not going to believe this. My jaw actually dropped. I mean, I, I feel in some senses like I should be past being surprised about this stuff. 10,000 times. 10,000 times the viral load is what this experimenting led to. Your money funded this experiment that increased the viral load by 10,000 times, wildly violating the NIH contract. But did, did EcoHealth Alliance notify the NIH? No, no. Did the NIH keep tabs on the money that was being used in these experiments? No, no. They did not. So again, I ask you, which is worse? Drugging puppies or juicing viruses? And how on God's green earth does Dr. Fauci, who is responsible and guilty of both, still have his job? How? This is beyond comprehension. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is still conducting experiments on us. These are social experiments, not just medical science experiments. Social experiments using the public school system, but not just using the public school system. They are now using, as you know, we talked about this last week, the Department of, um, the Department of Justice is going after parents for questioning the indoctrination that happens in public school. Merrick Garland, when he was before the Senate late last week, or before Congress, I should say, late last week, he admitted that the warning that the Department of Justice issued about um, parents questioning critical race theory or transgender bathrooms, questioning school boards, basically. Um, the warning that parents are potentially domestic terrorists in their, act in their actions and activities, he admitted, and this is mind-blowing, he admitted that this warning was not due to any actual threats. It was due to a letter sent to the Department of Justice by the National School Board Association. There were no threats. Nothing. Nothing was real. This was the National School Board Association asking the Department of Justice to shut up parents who were confronting school board members. Oh, dear God. Do you know how insane and how dangerous this is that the Department of Justice is targeting parents based on 
an organization with an agenda asking them to without any proof that there was anything even close to rising to domestic terrorism from angry parents around the country. That's not all. The Biden administration actually rewarded the author of the letter written by the National School Board Association, the person that penned that letter before sending it to the Department of Justice. The author of that letter was given a position in the Biden administration on the Federal Education Governing Board. Guys, we are beagles. We are the subject of this social engineering. They do not want Christians. They do not want conservatives. They do not want independent-minded people to be questioning their agenda. And they're using the power of the government to stifle us. They are experimenting on what coercion tactics they can use to stop us from having any power to fully centralize all of the power in our country into the hands of the radical left. The woman's name, by the way, was Viola Garcia. Her appointment to the uh, Federal Education Governing Board was announced after she sent the letter. So the Biden administration, they're not stupid. No, no, they're not stupid. They know what they're doing. They know exactly who they're rewarding. They know exactly what agenda they are supporting. They know exactly what experiments they are running and exactly who the subjects are. And Biden, maybe Biden learned from the best. Maybe he learned from Barack Obama, who is his uh, mentor, I guess, and his friend. Obama is um, running a social experiment of his own, which is uh, probably the most horrifying of all the ones that we've talked about today. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Nutrafol. Uh, when it comes to thinning hair, men, you no longer have to choose between natural remedies or remedies that work. There's a better solution, a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness without drugs, without prescriptions. Again, you know I'm crunchy. This is what I like to hear. Nutrafol is clinically shown to improve hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage without compromise. It's made of 21 potent natural ingredients that support sex drive, better sleep, and less stress too. That's the whole body part. And you don't have to worry about lower sex drive, which I know is a problem with some of these other uh, hair care products. No, no. In a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after just three and six months. That's why Nutrafol is recommended by 1,500 top doctors. Healthier hair growth does take time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster, growing hair in three to six months. And you can support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Liz to save $15 off your first month subscription. It's their best offer anywhere, only available to US customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com if you use the promo code Liz. Okay, so Obama has waded into the Virginia gubernatorial race that I think we all have our eyes on right now, McAuliffe versus Yunkin. Barack Obama is campaigning for McAuliffe, and he says in response to the outrage from parents in the state of Virginia, because McAuliffe, by the way, remember, McAuliffe says that parents should not be the primary stakeholders in their children's education. Barack Obama responded to this publicly by saying that parents' outrage is phony. Take a listen to this. We don't have time to be wasting on these phony, trumped-up culture wars. This fake outrage that, that right-wing media peddles to juice their ratings. And the fact that he's willing to go along with it instead of talking about serious problems that actually affect serious people, that's a shame. That's not what this election's about. That's not what you need, Virginia. 
Instead of forcing our communities to cut back at a time when we're just starting to recover, we should be doing more to support people who are educating our kids and keeping our neighborhoods safe. Phony? What is phony about being worried that your child is going to be taught that they're a racist if they have white skin or that they are oppressed at birth if they have black skin? That's phony outrage. Phony? It's phony outrage to worry that your kindergartner is being taught about transgenderism? That Marxism is the ideology being imparted into your innocent little child's mind in school? That is phony outrage? My goodness. Barack Obama was a very strategic campaigner in 2008 and 2012. That was actually, he was better at campaigning, of course, we all know this, than he was at governing. This is a critical mistake. Because what could possibly be phony about parents' outrage about the transgender bathroom ideology we see in Virginia, for example, in the same week that in Loudoun County, the boy who was wearing a skirt in a so-called gender-neutral bathroom who raped a 14-year-old girl was found guilty of doing this. He was found guilty of non-consensual sex, and he admitted in court to wearing a skirt in this bathroom where he sexually assaulted this girl. By the way, he was then just moved to another school, this boy was, where he committed another sexual offense against another innocent girl. But our concern about that is phony. As a parent, I don't even know what to say. I wouldn't let my child anywhere close to these schools. And these politicians don't care about our daughters. They don't care about our daughter's safety. They don't care about our daughter's bodies. They don't care about our son's safety. They don't care about our sons being told that women are commodities, that Marxism is the way, that if they're a white man, then they're guilty of atrocities committed in the past by people they don't even know. Republicans have an opportunity here, and I am going to be so disappointed if Republicans and conservatives and independent-minded people, you don't even have to be a Republican, but don't capitalize on this, because we are facing in Virginia a situation where it shouldn't just be the right versus the left. It should be parents versus the left. Parents versus the left. Because that's essentially what Barack Obama is saying. He's saying, you as a parent, you as a dad, you as a mom, your concerns about your children are phony. They tried to hide this rape that happened in this Loudoun County school because they knew it would reflect poorly on the transgender ideology that they're teaching, that they put into practice by having a gender neutral bathroom. They don't want those two things tied together, even though they are. That's the reason the sexual assault happened. And so they tried to cover it up. And then if you have concern about this, Barack Obama tells you that your concern is phony. I mean, Virginia public schools are some of the worst of the worst. There's literally pornographic images that are shown to elementary school children in the Virginia public school system. The, the violence that happened in Alexandria public schools is horrendous. Your child was not physically safe being in school. But your concerns are phony. And what's worse, the teachers unions, and we, we know what the two biggest teachers unions are, right? The AFT and the NEA. Well, Randy Weingarten, who's the head of the AFT, the second largest teachers union in our country, she's endorsed McAuliffe in the Virginia race, which should tell you everything you need to know about McAuliffe. That literally, in and of itself, is reason to get your little hiney to the polls and vote for Yunkin. That's all you need to know, that Randy Weingarten endorsed McAuliffe. She actually tweeted an article um, this week about parents not having any rights over their children's education. This was her tweet. She said, great piece on parents' rights and hashtag public schools. This is the title of the piece that she thinks is great. Parents claim they have the right to shape their kids' school curriculum. They don't. 
That's the title. And the content, if, you, if you're shocked by that, as you should be, the title is so much worse. She said, or I'm sorry, this is the Washington Post piece that, um, that she's pushing. It says, what's actually radical here is the assertion of parental powers that have never previously existed. Okay, there's your marker, parents. For us as parents, this should be a red flashing warning that says, they don't think you have any rights over your children. They want the state to own your children, to control your children, so that your principles, your values, your religion, your views are not allowed to be imparted to your child. It's so horrendous. She says, this is not to say that parents, or this is the Washington Post piece, this is not to say that parents should have no influence over how their children are taught, but common law and case law in the United States have long supported the idea that education should prepare young people to think for themselves, even if that runs counter to the wishes of parents. In the words of legal scholar Jeff Shulman, this effort may well divide child from parent, not because socialist educators want to indoctrinate children, but because learning to think for oneself is what children do. Oh. So they want to teach children to think differently than their parents. This is the piece. When do the interests of parents and children diverge? Generally, it occurs when a parent's desire to inculcate a particular worldview denies the child exposure to other ideas and values that an independent young person might wish to embrace or at least entertain. Hold the phone on this. Let me just say, as a mother, this is my plan for how to raise my daughter. I fully plan to teach her exactly what I believe. I plan to teach her my Catholic faith, my Christian practice and worldview. I plan to teach her conservative values. I intend to teach her to be a patriot. I intend to teach her to be a nice person. I intend to teach her that her body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I, am, I intend to teach her everything about my own worldview. And then I also intend to teach her how to learn things not just to parrot things, but how to learn things so that when she is an adult, when she is an adult, put that in all caps if you want, when she is an adult, she can decide how she wants to live her life. Does she want to continue living according to the principles that I've imparted in her, I've imparted to her? Does she want to keep practicing her faith, keep practicing her religion? Does she want to be conservative? Does she want to be a patriot? Or at that point, when she's an adult, does she want to make a decision for herself to live differently? That's how you be a parent. That's how we're supposed to parent our children. We're supposed to teach our children right from wrong. We're not supposed to say, okay, little girl, okay, little daughter, here are two different things. Here's right, but make sure you look at what's wrong too. No, no. You're supposed to shield your children from evil. You're supposed to shield your children from things that are inappropriate. Otherwise, why do we have age restrictions on anything? Why can't a little child, a five-year-old, watch hardcore pornography? Because we all acknowledge that that's wrong and that's evil and that a child doesn't have the capacity to be exposed to that and handle that. And so we don't allow them to view that until they're an adult, where if you raise your child correctly, hopefully they won't watch. But at that point, they have the capacity to make the decision for themselves. You don't expose children to everything when their innocent little minds can't handle it. You actually do the opposite. You protect them, you shelter them, you shield them while you raise them and train them in the principles that you hold dear. This is, this is the opposite of what the left wants. This is so radical. This is as radical as the Soviet Union, as this idea of communist communes where children would be removed from their parents and raised in these compounds just to be indoctrinated with socialism and Marxism and communism. This is as radical as the left has ever been. As radical as the left would ever be. This is what the Washington Post article, endorsed by the, the president of the American Federation for Teachers, the second largest teachers union in the country, that has endorsed McAuliffe for governor in Virginia. 
I mean, they're, they're admitting that this is what they want. The Washington Post says, to turn over all decisions to parents then would risk inhibiting the ability of young people to think independently. So there, this is actually an interesting point, which I've touched on before, but we should expound on one of these days, and we should have a larger conversation about this. There's a movement against homeschooling right now that wants to actually prohibit homeschooling, wants to make it illegal for you and I to homeschool our children. And there was a conference that was hosted, it was, or hosted virtually, I guess, last year um, at Harvard that was spearheaded, we'll say, by a professor named Elizabeth Bartholet, who actually alleges that homeschooling is abusive. Not, not by the way that children are more likely to be abused if they are homeschooled, which is also untrue. But no, her argument is that homeschooling in and of itself is abusive because it is abusive to deprive a child of a public school education. That's it. She thinks that you have a right to a public school education, not just a right, but if you choose anything different than a public school education, that's depriving a child. This is counter to everything that it means to be a parent. Everything that it means to be a parent. We should shield our children. We should form our children in our values. We should actually teach them to think independently, but only in the sense that we are teaching them how to learn and how to take information, add it or subtract it, and draw a conclusion. And at the point that they're able to do that and they have been taught right from wrong, then they're ready to be exposed to wrong, to wrong decisions. But it's confusing for children to be exposed to wrong before they're ready to handle it. It's confusing to children to be exposed to multiple viewpoints that multiple people are telling them are all right. These people, these leftists, have admitted exactly what they want our country to be like. They want the state to be in charge of children. They actually want to usurp parental rights. So they're starting to tell us that parental rights didn't even exist, that there's a history against parental rights, that the state has always had control over our children. Do not let that fool you for a second. This is not just some random person in the Washington Post making this assertion. The Washington Post piece was not sponsored, but supported by Randy Weingarten, the head of the second largest teachers union in the country. She's endorsing McAuliffe, who is echoing this viewpoint. McAuliffe himself is actually claiming that diversity and inclusion, which we know does not mean diversity or inclusion, it means this kind of garbage, critical race theory, transgender ideology, no parental rights, socialism, Marxism, you name it. McAuliffe says diversity and inclusion is as important as mathematics. Listen to this. And I make the point that we've got to do a better job in our education system. We've got to go back K to six. Uh, early on, we've got to start teaching, talking about these issues much earlier than we've done it before. And we don't do a good job in our education system talking about diversity, inclusion, openness, and so forth. We don't. We've got our textbooks. But, you know, there has to be a big part of how, how do you fit in, in into the social work of our nation and our fabric? How is it that we deal with one another is, to me, is as important as, you know, your math class, or your English class, and so forth, and we don't. So these so-called educators who think parents have no role in their children's education don't actually think that your child needs to go to math class as long as they feel guilty if they're white or oppressed if they're black, as long as they're taught the principles of critical race theory, as long as they're forced to use a bathroom next to a boy who's wearing a skirt who might be a threat to your young daughter. This is so beyond nutty. And this is no longer something that's hypothetical. It's no longer something that the right is, you know, speculating about. These people have admitted it for themselves. They've admitted it for themselves. There's a paper trail. Their words prove this. It's why in Virginia, it should be parents against the left. And the polls, by the way, are reflecting that, thank goodness. 
Um, thank goodness the latest polls, multiple polls actually, show Yunkin and McAuliffe essentially in a tie. This is a big deal. This is a big deal because McAuliffe is not only um, historically an incredible fundraiser, he's the former governor of Virginia, he has universal name recognition, he's tied in, obviously, to the teachers' unions, to the Clintons, to the big Democrat apparatus, if you will, and Yunkin is simply his challenger. Yunkin is simply campaigning as a representative of the people, someone who will tell big government, no, stop, you're not allowed to do that, that's parents' rights, that's individual rights. Yunkin the fact that Yunkin is tied with McAuliffe should make everyone in the state of Virginia please go knock on doors, please campaign, please cast your ballot for Yunkin. Make sure that if you're a parent like me and your child is in school, make sure that you have those conversations with the parents of your children's schoolmates, classmates. Make sure they know what McAuliffe wants in public schools and make sure that parents know, even if they're liberal, that the Democrats don't think that parents should have any say in their children's education in the classroom. They don't think parents have any rights over their children. They don't think their parents should be allowed to decide when to shield their children from evil and when to expose them to opposing viewpoints, even if those viewpoints are graphic or dangerous or evil. This, I mean, th this is why the attention of the nation, including mine, is on Virginia. I don't think that it's something that you can read into. I'm not a huge proponent of saying, oh, a special election here and there, you know, shows that the nation is ready for this or that president, no. But this is a battle between good and evil. That's what we're seeing. This is a battle between the evil that wants to deprive parents of their fundamental, inherent, God-given human rights to make decisions for their children and a politician who wants to stand up for that, stand up for those parental rights, stand up for those children, stand up for the freedom and liberty that have made our nation great. So we are less than, less than two weeks away from this election now, and the Democrats have shown us their cards. They think that we are all beagles. They want to conduct these social experiments on us. They don't care what happens to us. Um, they don't care if we're eaten alive. And if we dare to dissent, they do everything they can in their power to snip our vocal cords, just like Fauci's poor experimented beagles. On that note, the great and powerful Jay Hay says, we are out of time for today. We will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, think for yourself, use critical thought, question authority, follow the facts, and don't let government or corporate wokeism or cultural Marxism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a glowing review. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzel. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.